Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Good morning, church family. Missed one Sunday, and it feels like it's been forever. So we are uh, so happy to be back. Um, I really wasn't gone. I didn't really get a Sunday off. I preached on the west side uh, at another church over there with a buddy that I had uh, just teamed up with in ministry. So it was just a neat Sunday. What a blessing it was to get to see Austin preach uh, and to hear him preach. So um, the Lord has blessed us with just a great team. I wanted to share with you all, it was back in 2008. Uh, May of 2008, it was a Saturday. It was one of the few times in ministry that I had ever done two funerals on one day. Uh, And the interesting thing about those funerals was the complete and utter stark contrast between one funeral and the next. I'll share with you who they were. There was just the sweetest lady. Um, She died at about 56, 57 years old. Her name was Natalia. She had actually been born and raised in Mexico came out of poverty, had a group of people down there that loved her, shared the gospel with her. Uh, She moved into the States, met a man, had some kids with him, and uh, got leukemia, and then died a pretty painful death of leukemia. But all the way up to her last breath, she's sharing Jesus with the doctors, she's sharing Jesus with the neighbors, um, sharing Jesus with the nurses. We actually had one nurse that came to know Christ because of her sharing the gospel, even in Uh, some of her most painful moments. Um, Her kids have gone on to leave a legacy. They have uh, planted churches and shared the gospel down in Mexico. I don't know to this day what is happening with them, but I am trusting that the Lord has done amazing things with them. People have come to know Christ. Um, The other guy I did a funeral for, he was about 64 years old. His name was Mark. Uh, And Mark was a guy that I didn't know. I happened to be the resident pastor of the funeral home there in our town because the couple that owned it were actually a part of our church and became a part of our church plant. And so I had some really interesting funerals when I get asked to do a funeral for somebody that didn't have a pastor. And when I met with the family, the one thing they told me is we want it to be extremely short and we don't want anything religious. I said, perfect. I'm just going to tell everybody in the room what fate awaits them if they've trusted Jesus and what fate doesn't. So it has nothing to do with religion. It's just going to be all about Jesus. They reluctantly agreed and I had the chance to share the gospel, but the eulogy was incredibly long. And what they did was they unpacked all of the accomplishments in this man's life, all the money that he had raised. He was a multimillionaire who had a very large corporation that he ran and that he had founded. And yet in one moment, in a heartbeat due to one massive stroke, it's all gone. And nothing that he did this side of heaven that I know of mattered because he wanted nothing to do with Jesus. His family wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Then you've got Natalia who came from very meager circumstances, made her life about investing in eternity and the things that were to come. I have no doubt that now after 15 years have passed, she's still not saying, man, I sure wish I was down there on earth with you all. She is just honoring and worshiping the Lord still to this day. We're about to take a look at a passage that's going to take a look at two very different groups of people. In Revelation chapter 18, verses 1 through 24, and we got to get through 24 verses this morning. I'm just warning you ahead of time, 
It's not a nicely packaged three-point sermon. I had to break it up into about seven parts. I couldn't do it in two weeks. There is just no good stopping point for verses 1 through 24. So we're going to get through a lot this morning. Uh, We've got a lot to tackle, but we are going to take a look at the big difference between the person that glorifies themselves and gets brought down versus the person that glorifies the Lord and gets raised up. So if you would... Revelation 18, 1 through 24, lots of ground to cover. This is good exercise for us, but would you rise to your feet just in honor of King Jesus? We're going to go through all 24 verses, and then we'll begin to break this down in our seven small parts. Here we go. Revelation 18, beginning in verse 1, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning, since in her heart she says... I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, You mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble. Cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves. That is human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her, who stand far off, in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud, Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls, for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea, stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she has been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. 
Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon the great city be thrown down with violence and be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters will be heard in you no more, and craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more, and the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery, and in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints, and of all who have been slain on the earth. Thank you, gang. Seven things that we're going to try to remember today, but if you only remember one, this is it. Just remember that the man who glorifies himself is going to be brought down, while the man who glorifies the Lord will be lifted up. That's the one overarching principle that we're going to see in 24 verses of chapter 18. The man who glorifies himself is going to be brought down. The man who glorifies God will be lifted up, which begs a question for all of us right at the outset. What am I living for? Like Natalia, am I living for those things of eternity and investing in those things of eternity? Or am I like Mark on the other side of things and living for this world's empires and this world's goods? Really, this entire chapter gets summed up in one statement, but we're still going to break it down in seven parts. And what I'm calling this this morning is really the progression of the destruction of an empire. What is the progression that takes place when somebody's empire is brought down? And here's where we're going to break this down into seven parts. It starts in verses 1 through 3. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. The first thing that we see in the destruction of an empire is that the judgment is always pronounced. There is a warning that is given. Babylon is having judgment pronounced upon her for really two reasons, demonic activity and sexual immorality, which sexual immorality here is used to go beyond just sexual immorality, but uh, spiritual immorality or spiritual idolatry as well, which is all driven by demonic activity. Now, the first thing that the angel mentions is that she has become a dwelling place for demons and a haunt for many unclean things. Rewind months ago, we studied Revelation chapter 9, verses 13 through 16, where we learned that 200 million demons had been released on the city, on that great Babylon, where they were going to ravage the city like unclean vultures. Now, I'm not one of those guys that sees a demon underneath every rock. If I trip over my shoelace or over a rock or something, it's always got to be a demon. But that being said, demonic activity is still alive and still happening today, even in our midst and even in our culture. I really don't know how much demonic activity specifically is happening in Albuquerque or in New Mexico, 
But I do know that with some of the evil and some of the agendas that are being pushed in our own state, there's a lot of demonic activity going on behind the scenes. It's happening with false religion. It's happening with atheism and agnosticism. It's happening within our government officials. There's demonic activity that's happening. And I don't know about you all, but I'm not ready to give up Albuquerque. I'm not ready to give up New Mexico. I'm not ready to give up our nation. I'm not really ready to give up the world as a whole. But you do need to know this. When we step up as believers and say, I'm not just going to turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to what's happening in my own community, in my own country, you need to know that you just put a big fat target on your back and the flaming arrows of the evil one are coming your way. Now that being said, nothing to fear because there's this really amazing passage that the Apostle Paul wrote about in Ephesians chapter 6 where we're told to put on the full armor of God. When that happens and we take up that armor of God, there's nothing that the flaming arrows of the evil one can do to us. The angel also goes on to say that the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. People have asked, why do you Christians, pastor, why do you got to make such a big deal about sexuality, pornography, homosexuality, transgenderism? Why does that seem to be such a line in the sand for you people? Let me give you two reasons. Number one, the sole means of God producing others that are created in his image come between one man and one woman coming together in union. Secondly, the only way that we are able to show Christ's relationship to the church and the church's relationship to Christ when it comes to relationships is between one man and one woman. Remember, Christ went to the death for his bride, which is why we say till death do us part that we enter into marriage. And again, this is exactly why Satan likes to come in and counterfeit the very thing that God designed. He likes to counterfeit God's design for masculinity and femininity. He likes to counterfeit God's design for marriage. Again, this is because it's only between one man and one woman in a monogamous heterosexual relationship that we can show the world who Christ is to the church and who the church is supposed to be to Christ. This is also precisely why we want to rescue people from sexual perversion and from the destruction that it ends up bringing upon us. We are to love everybody that we come in contact with, but love them so much that we don't let them live underneath an ideology or a philosophy that is leading them away from who Jesus is. Go with me to verses four and five. It's the second thing we're going to learn about the destruction or the judgment of an empire. It says, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has... Rem went away, remembered her iniquities. Are we good? Do you hear me? Yeah. Okay, there we go. Perfect. So the second thing that we're going to see this morning is that the judgment of the empire can be avoided. It can, how does the judgment of an empire or the judgment of our life get avoided? Well, again, remember, God is immense in his grace and his mercy. Time and time again, he gives people the opportunity to worship him and avoid the judgment and death that we actually deserve. In this passage alone, he's going to give us three reasons as followers of Jesus 
for avoiding the sins of Babylon, for following after him and avoiding the direction that the culture or say the, the, the city of Babylon or our city of Albuquerque has gone. Why should we, in essence, and I want to make sure that we're clear on this, how do we separate ourselves from the sin of the city we live in without separating ourselves from the very people that we're trying to reach in that city? Well, let me start with this. Here's why you want to separate yourself from the sins of the city that you live in. First and foremost, believers are to flee from the sins of Babylon so that they don't share in her sin. It is incredibly easy to go from observer of sin to, to participant in sin. It's that quick. The old self loves to come back fast. So we have to have a game plan for insulating ourselves from the world without isolating ourselves from the world. I'm going to give you some practical applicational steps in just a few moments on how to do just that. Secondly, believers are supposed to flee from the sins of Babylon so they don't share in her plagues. So remember, we just got told that anybody that engages in what Babylon is doing is going to share in her plagues. That's for both believers and unbelievers alike. If we engage in the sins of the city, I want to quote to you something that somebody much smarter than I has said, you can always choose your sin, but you can never choose the consequences. And there are consequences even for believers that will follow us around, sometimes for a long period of time. And finally, believers are supposed to flee from the sins of Babylon so they don't become joined in her way of thinking. In verse 5, it says, For her sins are heaped high as heaven. The Greek word for heaped is interesting. It actually means glued together or to join. We are one small step away when we engage in sin from becoming yoked with the rest of the world. One glance at a pornographic website. One little fudge on our taxes. One little gossip fest with another friend. One little supposed light, white lie. And all of a sudden we find ourselves going down this rabbit hole that we never wanted to go down. And again, I think it's wise that we remind ourselves and each other of that, that there is no such thing as just a little sin that's no big deal. It always has a consequence and usually follows you. And unless we deal with it head on when it happens, we have a tendency as human beings to just go further and further into that sin. So again, I told you I'm going to give you a game plan. This is nothing new. I'm praying that this is something that you'll remember that you've heard before. walk with Christ. And the reason that I bring that up is that this isn't just meant to be some cute little document with catchy, pithy sayings or catchphrases, but it's meant to be something that we live out and remember. On the document, what you would see is you would see our vision statement. Who's ready for a test? The vision of New Covenant Church is? Some of you quoted the mission. That's okay. You'll, you'll get that one when we go next. The vision is to treasure Jesus above all else. That's our vision. Remember, a vision is something that we will probably never fully reach. It'll never fully come to fruition. We've always got something that's fighting for our affections. But our goal is to get to a place where we treasure Jesus more and more every day. I want to treasure Jesus above all else. The way that we do that is through living out our mission, which our mission is to know Jesus, 
and to make him known. And the more I get to know him and the more I make him known, the more I'm going to treasure him. Okay, again, those are fun little sayings, but if we don't have a game plan for how we're going to get there, we just won't. So our game plan consists of five things that we call our our methods or our core life habits. And that is that we want to worship God corporately and personally. Let's worship him. There's multiple passages in scripture that show us that that is an absolute necessity. In Mark chapter 1, Jesus gets up early in the morning and he goes out to worship. Remember, he's the second person of the Godhead Trinity. He doesn't have to get up and worship. He should be getting worship. But yet he sets the stage for us. It is important that we worship God together on Sundays and then we continue that worship personally Monday through Saturday. We got to equip ourselves and others with what we believe, why we believe it, and how we live it out. That is of vital importance. Unfortunately, I think in our churches today, especially here in the West, we have stopped at just telling people what they're supposed to believe without teaching them why we believe it and then how they're actually supposed to live that out or how that actually makes a difference in their lives. I would pray that with our kids, with our spouses, with our um, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we're always teaching what we believe Why do we believe that about Jesus? Why do we believe that God exists? Why do we believe that he's omnipotent, that he's omniscient? Why do we believe that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead Trinity? Why do we believe that Jesus is actually coming back? And then how does all of that affect our life? Third thing is connect with fellow believers often. Ladies, you typically do a better job of that than the men. It is amazing how you could put three or four ladies together and three weeks later, the conversation is still going. (laughs) Put men in a room together, three or four of us, and we're done in 30 seconds. Contrast when the man comes home from that get-together with other men. Hey, honey, what'd you guys talk about? Nothing. (laughs) Then the man makes the mistake of asking the woman, what did you all talk about? And three days later, while he's still sleeping, she's still going. So that is why we're at a point where we're really trying to get both our men and our women to really connect with one another. And let's actually share what's going on in life. If it's a sin issue, let's share it and work through it. God Almighty already knows. So who cares if another man knows? Ladies, same for you. Let's get together for encouragement. Let's share with each other the good things that God is doing in our life and how he's growing us. The fourth thing really is share the gospel with unbelievers at every opportunity. Remember, don't make this harder than it needs to be. Simply share Jesus. I decided to go hit the gym early, early this morning, and I came in contact with a guy in the locker room and asked him if he had anything exciting happening for his Sunday. And No, not really. I'm doing paperwork, getting ready for the following week. And he looked at me and he says, how about you? And I'm like, well, let me tell you. And it doesn't matter if it's Sunday, it doesn't matter if it's Tuesday, it doesn't matter if it's Wednesday, I had a chance to look at this guy and say, you know what, today is going to be an awesome day, because no matter what I go and do, I get to go worship Jesus, who died on a cross for my sins and rose again. And he just looks at me, have a nice day, and he walks away. And that's okay. That initiated the conversation, gave him an opportunity to think, hey, you know what, I've never really thought twice about Jesus. I've never thought about anybody dying for me. I've never thought about anybody rising again. And I've never really thought that no matter what happens, I could have a good day because I know what awaits me. So great opportunity to just open up the door. There's nothing controversial about it, nothing scary about it. Just tell them what Jesus done for you. I'm going to assume that most of you sitting in this room would say that Jesus is the most important thing, the most important person in the world to you. And if he really is, 
how can we not help but just tell people about Jesus? So that's what we do. And then the last one is just serve everybody around you. Jesus did it in John chapter 13. He took off his outer garment and he began to wash the feet of his disciples and he did the one thing that only slaves and servants are supposed to do. But yet he showed us what it meant to serve. In moving on, when it comes to the judgment of the empire, it's found in verses 6 through 8. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed as she glorified herself and lived in luxury. So give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. The judgment of the empire gets defined. We get told exactly what's going to happen when it comes to judgment. Babylon and all of its people had numerous warnings about the impending judgment that was about to come their way for their sin. They were given numerous opportunities to repent, and God's still doing the same thing today. In his grace and in his mercy, he's giving people opportunities to repent, but those that decide to exalt themselves will be brought down in a moment. Again, I think about the difference between Natalia that I shared with you and Mark that I shared with you. Mark in an instant, who thought he had everything going for him, a millionaire, owned his own company, had multiple employees underneath him, lost it all in a heartbeat. Natalia lived for things that could never be taken away from her. Doesn't it just seem wise and to make more sense to live for the very things that can never, ever be taken away? Although these warnings and these judgments really are specific to Babylon in this passage, they really do speak to what awaits every person that chooses to reject Jesus. Let me move us to the longest part of our passage. Stick with me. It's found in verses 9 through 19. It's also the saddest part of the passage because it just contains mourning after mourning, weeping after weeping, but this is what awaits those that align themselves with Satan, with the Antichrist, with this world. It says, and the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Now listen to this, we're about to get a list of 28 different things that they banked on bringing them success, bringing them wealth, bringing them joy, and all of them get taken away and quickly. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses and chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. The fruit for which your soul longed has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, mourning, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. Remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about what that meant. Them being clothed, or Babylon being clothed in purple and scarlet was a 
symbol of majesty and royalty. All of a sudden, that all gets brought down. Listen to verse 17. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors, and all those whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning, What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth, for in a single hour she has been laid waste. Did you hear the theme? In a single hour it happened quick. And the judgment of the empire was mourned. They mourned and they wept. What did they mourn and weep over? Well, it wasn't their sin. It wasn't that they wanted to repent. They wept over 28 different things that brought them a large amount of wealth and had been taken away from them. The first people to mourn were the leaders of the empire. Those that are leading people into evil and destruction. Those that are the heads of cults and false religious systems are going to have a great judgment that is coming upon them. Those that are in governmental positions, presidents, vice presidents, emperors, kings, queens, princes, princesses, are going to have a very strict and harsh judgment. And I think they're going to be shocked when they discover that they're getting exactly what they deserve. The next people to mourn in this passage were the merchants of the world, the ones that thought that they had it all, the ones that they thought they had it made in money, the ones that they thought that they had it made in wealth, and health had it all brought down. And let all of that just simply serve as a reminder that the man who glorifies himself is going to be brought down, while the man that glorifies the Lord is going to be lifted up. So much better to be lifted up by the Lord than to try to lift up our own head. And then in verse 20, it says, Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. This is going to sound weird in the progression of judgment, but there's actually a judgment of the empire that is enjoyed. There's a part of the judgment that is actually enjoyed. Heaven is rejoicing over the judgment of Babylon and rejoicing over the judgment of all of those that have aligned themselves with Babylon. And really for a couple of reasons. First of all, it fulfills yet another promise that God made. Remember, God has promised to bring down all of that which is evil. And when God's promises come to fruition, God gets glorified and his people rejoice. Gang, I know this is going to sound weird, but don't you rejoice that evil is going to be done, done with and dealt with and done away with? I can't wait. Can't you, can't you just get a little bit excited? Think about this, about the day that you finally get to enter into heaven and disease will no longer have its way. Death will no longer have its way. The heinous practices of things like abortion will be done away with. The heinous practices of staring at pornography and men looking at young ladies that were never meant to belong to them, that will all be done away with. Murder, rape, incest, the violence that we see that is all a result of sin entering in the world, it's all going to be done away with. That's a reason to rejoice because we don't have to deal with it anymore. I can't wait until that day. What a great encouragement for followers of Jesus and a reason why you and I can actually find enjoyment in knowing that God is going to vanquish evil, that he's going to do away with it. We always tend to think of judgment as a negative. But when the righteous judge steps in and he executes righteous judgment, that's going to be another reason for God's people 
to rejoice. I am praying that in knowing that you are on a team that cannot lose, you serve a king that cannot lose this battle, that would cause you to treasure Jesus even more than you did before you walked in today. And then prayerfully, because you're treasuring him more and more, and I'm growing and treasuring him more and more, we can't help but go out and make him known. We can't help but go out and get to know him more. And in getting ready to wrap this up, there's just two more. But verses 21 through 23 tell us this, Then a mighty angel took up a stone, like a great millstone, and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more. And the craftsmen of any craft will be found in you no more. And the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more. And the light of a lamp will shine in you no more. And the voice of the bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all nations were deceived by your sorcery. The, fi- the judgment of the empire is going to be finalized. And we get this analogy of how it's going to be finalized. Picture a stone about one foot high, and it's rounded, and it's about four to five feet in diameter. Now, how big is a stone that you could just, or how heavy is a stone that you could just fit in your arms? You ever try to pick up a stone that's just big enough to fit in your arms? It's incredibly heavy, and when you chuck it into the water, it makes quite a splash. Now, I want you to picture a stone that's a foot high and four to five feet in diameter being thrown off a cliff, and then it hits the water. And it's going to hit it with force, with violence, with impact. Have any of you all ever thrown a big rock off of a cliff and you watch it hit the water? You you watch it make this big splash and there's something really cool about that? Well, this analogy that John is getting and giving is that of how Babylon is going to be brought down. It's going to be quick. It's going to be with violence and it's going to be fast. And then he finishes off this passage in verse 24 saying, And in her was found the blood of prophets and of saints and of all who have been slain on the earth. The judgment of the empire is ultimately justified. We are told why Babylon is being brought down, and it has everything to do with the fact that those that were a part of Babylon used their power and they used their money to deceive. The word sorcery at the end of verse 23 could be literally translated deception or deceiving. There were people that were using sorcery or deception to lead people astray. And it's happening all over the place today. Even in our own great country, people are being duped and deceived into worshiping a false god. They're being duped by demonic activity down roads that we don't want to go. Now that being said, what a blessed hope that we have in Jesus. Because we can know that the ultimate city of Satan And all empires that have ever been directed and guided by Satan, by demons, by the Antichrist, by the false prophet, they're all going to be brought down. And they're going to be brought down quick. And you and I, we're going to be brought into the ultimate empire or the ultimate kingdom in the heavenly realms, which is going to last forever and ever. And we're going to get to experience, as Psalm chapter 16 says, eternal pleasures at God's right hand. That term right hand is a term of intimacy and a term of privileged intimacy and privileged authority that we're going to be given, not because we deserve it, but because God is gracious and Jesus is good and gracious to us. Amen? So as a final reminder, the man that glorifies himself is going to be brought down, but the man that glorifies the Lord will be lifted up by him. 
let's be a people that just keep honoring and glorifying the Lord no matter what comes our way. And then let's let him do the work of lifting up his people. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we come before you and again, we are a people that desire to worship you. We know that all of the wants, all of the desires that you have put within us are meant to lead us to you. And so we ask you to forgive us where we, when we have allowed those wants and those desires to lead us into false worship, into misplaced and misdirected worship. Lord, thank you that you have called us to yourself and that we can know that we get to serve. On a team, we get to serve the king that is not only going to win the battle, but has already secured the victory that day that you died on the cross and then rose again from the dead letting us know that you are the King of kings, you are Lord of lords. And so, Lord, we lift up not only today to you, but we lift up this week and whatever days it is that you give us on this planet, we turn those over to you and we ask that you would be honored and you would be glorified in our lives. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray together. Amen. Gang, just a couple of things before you go out the door. We don't do this very often, but um, two very special people in our midst, Harold and Claire Iyer. Um, have been here since the outset of this church. This is their last Sunday with us. They are moving um, to Florida. So I would ask that if you see them, give them some extra special love today as they make a really big move um, in their life. And I want to encourage you, let's not look at this as we're losing Harold and Claire. Uh, we look at this as they're being sent to Florida because believe it or not, there's people in Florida that need Jesus. Um, so we're excited about what God is going to do through them. Um, and that's the way we would look at anybody that's going out from New Covenant. Let's, let's see that as God is sending folks across the globe to share the good news of who he is and to bring him glory. One last thing, when you go out the doors um, from this Sunday on, our youth ministry uh, team. So our youth pastor, uh, Chris Rowland, and, and his team will be out there every Sunday to answer any questions you may have about youth ministry. If you're long past having a kid in youth and you have no questions, just stop by and give them some encouragement. Chris has a hard job. Our youth leaders have a hard job. They are constantly ministering to students that are bombarded by false messages, um, and they are also ministering to people that are subhuman. So pray for them as they... <laughs> Uh, continue to invest in teenagers. All right, let me uh, just tell you this. God is good. And there are mighty things that I believe he wants to do through this body. We have a, a awesome opportunity right now to scatter from this place and for the rest of the week to go bring God the glory that he deserves and watch him do his work. Amen. Gang, I will see you either Wednesday or Sunday. Have a good week. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us.